1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on the Roto-Viz Radio Network via our friends over at Blue Wire. Thank you for tuning in to the show this evening. Uh, Week 10, week 10 is in the books. We're we're more than halfway there, Dan, and I am joined today by my good friend, who I just said his name, Dan Seno.
2: That's me. After all of the thes at the beginning of the show, I thought you were going to hit the the Ohio State University, <laughs> but uh, here we are. So yeah, interesting, interesting week. A lot of a lot of strange roster moves, but we'll, and we'll you know talk a little bit about it as well. But kind of a kind of a, a week that things got a little bit more normal. Aside from the, it seems like half the league is starting quarterbacks that shouldn't even be in the NFL, which is always fun. And uh, yeah, it's it's normal NFL, I suppose, for us. Normal NFL,
1: indeed. So today, we're going to start off by talking about a pair of players that went to the same college and now are on the same NFL team. We have the LSU runbacks. We have, of course, Clyde edwards helaire who does not exist anymore. Um, he was supposed to be coming back from IR soon, but that may not matter due to the performance of one Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, just over his last, let's call it five games, we have 23.9, 8, 17, 10 and then capped it off with a 29.4 point performance against the Raiders on Sunday night with 100, 101 receiving yards on nine receptions, along with 43 rushing yards on the ground, for 1, Daryl Williams. Uh, for me, I see this. This is the death knell in the value of one Clyde Edwards helaire You can call that out of reaction. It probably is, but. Daryl Williams is producing like Clyde Edwards Alaire never has. And like, there, there's, I don't see a reason to hand the ball off to Clyde Edwards Alaire when you have Daryl Williams.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, Williams has been scoring points, but, and, and I'm, I'm definitely not a CEH fan. The, the, like we've always talked about, the uh, attraction to CEH from a, a fantasy perspective was, because of the the team that he's on, the offense that he is in. With that being said, I do think that CEH is a better between-the-tackles runner. I don't think Daryl Williams excels there. Now, getting him in space, like a lot of these guys, is very important. I think if they can create lanes for CEH, he will excel as a between-the-tackles runner. But Daryl Williams, in my opinion, as a pass catcher, is well exceeds what CEH does and can do. So while well, I think that they very easily could just run Daryl Williams a, as your feature, I really do think it'll be a, not necessarily a 50-50 split, but I think CEH will probably dominate early downs between the tackles once he's back. And I think Daryl Williams will dominate a lot of the work through the air uh, maybe third down touches, goal line type stuff, which doesn't make a ton of sense, but he's a threat in the red zone. Uh, I mean, he's got a, a few touchdowns on the ground, and I think only one through the air, which is a little bit surprising. But I guess last night, uh, you know, we were, like you said, we we're recording Monday night now, but last night on Sunday, we finally got to see kind of what Daryl Williams looks like when he's kind of a feature. He's always, you know, he'll get 10, 12, 15 carries, whatever, but they really took advantage of him through the air and uh, they just kind of made, made the Raiders look a bit silly.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if how much this is a com- comparison between the Packers defense and the Raiders defense, but those were two completely different teams, Packers to Raiders. Like the chiefs uh, were abysmal and barely an NFL team against the Jordan Love led Packers. And then, you know, looking like the Chiefs of old against the Raiders. So I don't know if that means the Packers are great or the Chiefs are bad. I mean, the Raiders are bad or a mix of both. But as a a fantasy fan, as a football fan, I am hoping we're going to see more of this Chiefs team going forward. Um, I don't really have much Chiefs offense from the running back perspective. I, you know, a big fader of one CEH. But I do think that the one thing that the one negative here for Darrell Williams is that ch is expected to come back in week 11 and that will chip into his carries like you said maybe maybe the re- receptions will favor towards Daryl williams but i definitely think that his floor will will precipitously fall
2: once once ch is back in the lineup oh absolutely i i don't know how how it won't especially considering the draft capital which i know at this point in the career the draft capital makes a little bit less of a difference but still when you spend a first round pick on a running back, you're, you're going to expect to at least use him for those first four years. And, uh, at, at the beginning of the, of this, you, you mentioned the LSU backs and people are maybe curious, well, why didn't we know about Darrell Williams seeing how good he is now? Well, you have to remember when Darrell Williams was at LSU, Darius Geis was the guy, uh, you weren't taking touches away from Darius Geis, even though, uh, that, that final year for both of them, uh, or i uh, for sure Darryl Williams guys had 237 carries and Darryl Williams had 145. So he was definitely being used and he was pretty good, if not better than Darius Geis in college. He's just kind of the one left by the wayside because of Darius Geis and because of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how all of this turns out, because I do think that Darryl Williams is a really darn good football player. I just think he struggles a little bit between the tackles, but with that offense, I mean, it's a, it's an air attack. Anyways, I would expect a lot of kind of how Buffalo has been where it's 90% through the air. And then you get a little bit on the ground, hope for a touchdown. What would be your buying price in terms
1: of picks, you know, just as a neutral observer for Daryl Williams in mid second, late second, like, or is it a third or less?
2: Yeah, it's probably going to be that late two range, Uh, and my my again the fear is that CH comes back and he looks at least moderately useful. Um, But you know, two months ago, Daryl Williams was completely free. You could pick him up off the waivers. Uh, You you could have gotten him in the last round of your startup drafts, whatever it was. uh, And CH was going in like the second round. So we will. I would assume we'll see those two uh, come closer together in mid rounds of, of startups. I still think Ceh will end up going too high because people will always go back to the draft capital bit, but Daryl Williams definitely has proven himself. So I think if you can get him mid late second, I'd be fine with that. Maybe it's one of those uh, where you, where you kind of combine the pick or as a seller, if you can combine Daryl Williams and a two and get a one, I would do that every day of the week.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I will say as the draft capital aficionado that I am, Maybe, maybe I might test the waters on CH. Maybe I might throw a couple thirds just to see. I mean, I could get laughed out of the building and say, why are you sending me two thirds for CH? Probably what's going to happen. But, but I think that I might get a counter of like a late second, which I might consider,
2: you know, for CH or Darrell Williams? CH. No way. You you will not the only counter you'll get is a late first. No one's coming off of people for that.
1: People want a first for CEH?
2: Well, yeah. He was a first no rounder. No way. In in Kansas City, 100%. Man, let's no let's chance. here, let's do let's do a bit. Pick two or three leagues, go send offers of thirds, even offers of seconds. I guarantee you, you get rejected. If not, sure, sure. Here, how about this? I'm not
1: I'm not I'm not doubting I'll get rejected. I'm saying anyone who is asking for a first has been sniffing some glue. Go
2: offer a late first in any league for ceh i'm not gonna and, that. <laughs> and if you get re- if you get rejected i'll pay your kadoosh fees <laughs> or if you get uh, accepted i'll pay your kadoosh
1: oh sure I, that doesn't help me any. um anyways here we go so uh chiefs yeah so I, i'm fine with honestly going after either as a flyer um but if anyone has any sort of expensive price tag like a, a mid second for williams or a late first for ceh i would pass quite easily. Next, we have, I feel like every year we kind of have the, if this guy gets hurt, he's the best handcuff of, in the game. And pretty much that, this offseason was Aaron Jones, I mean, not Aaron Jones, it was A.J. Dillon in place of Aaron Jones. We're like, yes, he doesn't have much standalone value, which he's probably had more standalone value than many expected uh, so far this year. He has three, four, four, ten plus 10 plus point games. So that's not bad for an RB2 in um, A.J. Dillon, but in terms of, like, okay, this guy's the, the smash, like, as soon as, if Aaron Jones gets injured, he's a smash RB1, and he looked the part last night, or, you know, yesterday afternoon, with 66 rushing yards, 62 receiving yards, and two rushing touchdowns. So, see, um, the Packers offense looking pretty decent, Um, obviously only scoring 10, 17 points, but not bad. So, Aaron Jones out one to, one to two weeks. So not huge dynasty implications, but we are going to see more of AJ Dillon than we were expecting. You know, we'll see RB one type carries and we'll see what he can do with it. I do think that there could be a selling opportunity after these one to two games. Um, But the real question will be like, is anybody going to want to buy after these one to two games? Are are they going to say, well, Aaron Jones is back. So they're back to a a timeshare.
2: I think there's been kind of a sneaky under the radar like move of people going and acquiring AJ Dillon. It, I mean, did we really think that, given the history of the Packers, at least the the recent history of the Packers, that Aaron Jones was just gonna be the guy? Like, okay, it's it's his. I mean, Jamal Williams took carries nonstop. AJ Dillon has been kind of a thorn in the side. There's been some games where he only gets like four or five looks, but even so, th- those games. As when we look at these ones, obviously Aaron Jones got hurt. And AJ Dillon was—you said he was good. I thought he was very mediocre. He had like twenty some carries for sixty yards, which is not good considering volume, volume, right. volume, volume. You chase volume, and I actually do think AJ Dillon is probably better than Jamal Williams was. Uh, and I was a huge fan of Jamal Williams, but I, I kind of have always had this ex- expectation that AJ Dillon was going to was going to take a ton out of Aaron Jones' workload and. and people just kept moving them up and moving them up and moving them up when Jamal Williams left. And I never really understood it. Um, But Aaron Jones still has way higher upside, especially considering the red zone usage. So I I think after this two weeks, uh, until Aaron Jones comes back, I think if AJ Dillon puts up big numbers, you might be able to get prices for AJ Dillon that are going to be similar to those of Aaron Jones. I think his price has a real opportunity to skyrocket over these next couple of games he, you know especially if he looks good against the Rams. So he's got Minnesota this next week which their defense has either been really good or really bad and we know how Aaron Rodgers can take advantage of them. So if if AJ Dillon looks the part after these next two games, I feel like his price is going to go way up and whether you want to hang on to him or not I feel like there's going to be a lot of free value there just because I don't think there's a clear-cut RB1 on this roster.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that it's mostly going to be a timeshare, you know, moving forward. Aaron Jones has the long-term contract. A.J. Dillon has two more years on his rookie contract, plus the rest this year. So, yeah, not a a ton of fantasy value there. Um, But still, my original point, when one of them is injured, the other
2: one's going to eat. Oh, 100%. Like Just like Kansas City, given the nature of the offense— that running back position is, I, I mean, it, it's got so much value just just because of the offense and what it can do. That offense is so good in the red zone, obviously, with Devontae Adams getting the, major, the majority of that work. But when you remove Robert Tanyan from that, you know, that that bit, then these these running backs become even more valuable when you take away that big uh, that, that big red zone target. So it'll be interesting to see the breakdown once Aaron Jones comes back, I I have a fear that it's going to be that 50, 50 or 60, 40. Uh, it, it should still be in favor of Jones considering the contract, but with these Packers, you know, they just like to keep us wondering.
1: And now let's move on to our next topic. And we have a bit of breaking news, Dan, um, Brian Edwards is a listener of the nice trade cast. I don't know if you ever knew that um, we, we found that out because at the end of last week's podcast, we we're like, where is Brian Edwards? Does Brian Edwards exist? Is he an actual football player? I thought he would have all this opportunity. Yada, yada, yada. Well, he decided uh, prior to Monday, fo- Monday night football starting that he would be the number eight scoring wide receiver on the week with 17.8 PPR points, three catches for 88 yards and the touchdown. So, Still not quite the volume I would expect from the number one wide receiver in an offense that has no weapons. run friends a pain in the butt, um, but at least it's not a bagel, not a zero. Congrats, Brian Edwards, on your solid fantasy week.
2: It's pretty wild when you look at the breakdown too of of targets. Like obviously, we expect Darren Waller to probably get the lion's share of the targets in that offense. Well, he only had well I shouldn't say only he had seven uh, last night. And Hunter Renfro led the team with nine. That should never be the case. Josh Jacobs had five. Then you get to Brian Edwards with his measly four, and he turned him into three for 88 and one. Strange how you throw it to your good players and good things happen. Uh, I, I mean, this has to just be a Vegas thing. I don't know if they just don't like him or maybe it's a car bit. He doesn't want to push the ball downfield and use his big best Uh, wide receiver that he's got and instead he'd use his binky and darren waller uh i'm not sure hunter renfro isn't it uh if you roster him and you can sell him please do so so we can stop doing this maybe if he starts moving off some rosters uh the raiders will be like hey we should try this brian edwards guy maybe the raiders will start listening to the podcast and figure it out instead of just brian edwards
1: okay so i was slightly joking about the breaking news for the odell thing but as we're recording i do have some breaking news um Odell Beckham with his, uh, you know, route running that that caused a stir in Cleveland. It's already causing a stir in Los Angeles because he changed his route and Stafford threw a pick. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so going with the, the Odell Beckham regime, at least in the first quarter of Monday night, going very well for the Los Angeles Rams. All right, let's go to our next topic, which is going to be another player. Uh, eight, not another player, just a player, a player who has returned to where his glory days, glory days, do-do-do-do, I don't know what the beat of that song is. Cam Newton has returned to the Carolina Panthers. He, uh, on his first two snaps, Dan, he scored a touchdown on both of them, uh, one on the ground and one through the air. Uh, didn't get much action elsewhere, mostly because, you know, you got to learn a playbook in four days, and that's kind of hard to do. But, um, it was announced by Matt Rule that as long as Cam's comfortable, he will be starting uh the following week. So um, this is gonna go back to Cam just a few years ago. That I think this is gonna be very good for fantasy and probably not that great from an NFL perspective. I think that Cam is gonna position himself with DJ Moore, with Robbie Anderson, to be, you know, a mid-QB2, so a very solid option in Superflex the rest of the way. Unfortunately. I dropped all my cam, in my superplex. and when then when the news dropped, i I looked to see all my leaks. all the superplex uh, shares were already picked up. So now I have several one qB cam shares.
2: yeah, i i I struggle with this one because I was a huge fan of cam. Uh, you know, but but we also have to realize that twenty fifteen is never occurring again. That was that was a right, unicorn. But that's not what the price nu- is. The price is like
1: a late second.
2: <laughs> I understand. But if you read Twitter like the rest of everybody, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's back. Like, look at that. He threw four passes at eight yards. Well, great. Really good stats. He had three carries for 14 yards. Not good. This isn't the cam that we're used to. His arm is still dead. This is terrible for DJ Moore. I, who cares about Robbie Anderson? He got what well, he had one catch for one yard and one touchdown. Really cool. Like that. This is horrendously awful for Christian McCaffrey. In my opinion, uh, it's it's we've officially arrived in vulture town. Cam Newton's going to have 17 rushing touchdowns and negative 18 yards. Uh, I, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Uh, this will be the one and only compliment I will ever give Sam Darnold. So everybody get your tape recorders ready. Sam Darnold is better than Cam Newton. This doesn't give anything to the Panthers in any sort of way. I don't, right, think, it's right. I don't think it's good for fantasy. I don't think it's good for I don't think it's good for fantasy either, unless you're just chasing touchdowns, which is what it will be. Sure, but chasing touchdowns fine. Right, but but zero yards and a touchdown. So we're we're hoping for like six or ten points, because he's not I don't see a way he's gonna have multiple touchdowns through the air or on the ground in a in a weekly basis, because I don't see how this offense moves down the field with him under center. I think they could with Darnold move up and down the field because we've seen that offense be okay. I, I just, I don't think Cam's got it anymore. I really hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. But he he's can't scramble the way he could. He doesn't have the arm that he used to. We, we haven't seen any signs of that arm in like four years. So uh, I, I, I'm out on Cam. I'm kind of out on the Panthers as well. I would be buying low on DJ Moore at this stage because I feel like a lot of people maybe think the same kind of along the same lines as, as me. Uh, and I think you kind of just have to keep Christian McCaffrey in limbo because of the passes that cam can complete the three yarders to Christian McCaffrey, where he can take them to the house or he can take them for 15 or 20. Those are going to still be pretty valuable. Uh, and obviously running that read option and and doing what they're going to do uh on the ground i still think mccaffrey is going to be mccaffrey but I, I i just i fear the touchdown vultures uh and the red zone upside for mccaffrey
1: yeah and you were talking about before we head into the next half of the show you were talking about dj moore with cam and without him the road of his game splits app in his in split with cam newton for 16 games 11.04 ppr points and out of that split, 39 games. I'm surprised how many games DJ Moore has played without Cam Newton at this stage. Um, but 39 games for DJ Moore without Cam Newton and 14.66 PPR points. So about three and a half points per game more. So it is a negative for Cam, especially because some of those 16 might have been like with like a healthy shouldered cam. Um, but you know that. Shoulder doesn't exist anymore. Um, so if you want more great tools and and stuff like uh the Rotoviz Game Splits app, make sure to go to Rotoviz.com and use RV Radio 2021 for a 10% discount. Gives you access to all of our content and tools, all the tools that you could need to be a fantasy W-I-N-N-E-R and support S-U-P-P-O-R-T, your favorite podcast host, Nathan Powell and Dan Seno. Alright, let's get back into the show. We have one Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, kids, has a 2.7% interception interception percentage, not that great. He has a 5.3 AYA, very bad, and he has 8 touchdowns to 9 interceptions, also what the kids call not good. So, the question here is, how much of this is that the Jaguars are an incompetent franchise? How much of this is that Lawrence isn't as good as expected? Or how much of this is the Jaguars being so incompetent that we're unsure about the career of one Trevor Lawrence?
2: I think the last option is, is to be completely honest with you, the last option is probably the only thing that makes sense. Uh, but given, they, I will say they did try to help him a little
1: like they signed Marvin Jones and they have DJ Chark and LaVisca. They they tried. It just isn't work like obviously DJ Chark has been out the whole year, but.
2: They need a lot more, particularly. Well, I, I mean, you look at the college career and obviously when you're at Clemson and you have all those weapons around you, it's a little bit different. And like you mentioned, DJ Chark is out. Uh, you know, Marvin Jones has been OK. He, he's definitely not the Marvin Jones of old. LaVisca Chenault has been an utter disaster. That backfield has been uh, abysmal. You know, we we kind of hoped and thought that maybe James Robinson would continue doing James Robinson things, but that uh, that hasn't exactly been the case. The Jags are a, a disaster. You know, I, I, and I, I, you alluded to the, the the interception percentage and and the eight eight touchdowns to nine interceptions. I will say. Lawrence has been protecting the ball a lot better over the last month and a half. The first three weeks of the season, he threw, I think, like eight, uh, maybe maybe seven or eight of those nine interceptions in the first three weeks. So uh, over the last six games or so, he's only thrown two interceptions. But the upside is severely limited because he's also not throwing touchdowns. He's got three touchdowns over that same span and only one 300-yard game to speak of. Uh, and that was against Miami, which I mean that's a that's a halfway decent team to throw for 300 yards against. Now the the weapons aren't an issue, the play calling's an issue. Urban Meyer is a massive issue. Uh, but a lot of the things that you're saying aren't going to change, which is why it leads to the point of tough.
1: your answer in the, at at the beginning.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely unfortunate, and it's kind of tough to predict at this stage because we certainly aren't seeing the Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Uh, I haven't even really seen, you know, little snippets of it. I've seen more from Mac Jones, to be quite honest. And and Mac Jones is kind of doing what I would have expected Trevor Lawrence to do. Now, I I do anticipate a huge sophomore leap uh, coming out of Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville, but that's going to require them to upgrade their offensive line, get DJ Chark healthy, get LaVisca Chenault back on the path that he was on as a rookie. Uh, hopefully Travis Etienne shows up and is is ready to go. And we see uh, what we saw at Clemson from him as well. So there's an immense amount of potential here, but the Jags just are so bad and just out of sorts that I'm not overly optimistic. I, I fear for a lot of these assets. And uh, if, I mean, specifically Trevor Lawrence, I, 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 you're going to have a real opportunity to buy low after the season or even right now. I know a lot of folks are down on him. I think we're both down on him. It's, it's a tough spot. That's, this is why bad teams stay bad because you go in, you try to, you know, get this great elite quarterback, which he was in college. He had everything we could possibly wanted, but then you just ruin him at the pro level. Uh, There's, there's so much potential just being tossed away. So it's a tough one. I, I feel like I'll probably be buying a little bit just to see, test test the waters and i think we're i think we're
1: a couple weeks early on the buy low i I think that it has to get a little bit worse than it has been before the lawrence drafters who you know obviously paid a fortune to get him, you know even think about you know moving off of him so unless you're like making like a lateral like age move like a a dac for lawrence plus a piece or, or something like that i think you're not likely to
2: get um lawrence off of their manager well, I would never do that. I would never do a Dak for Lawrence, but I would do like Russell Wilson for Trevor Lawrence or Aaron Rodgers for Trevor Lawrence. I feel like I feel like you have sure, that, long-term that, upside. That,
1: that, that's, that still requires a plus though. I don't know. I, I feel like you could get one for the I other. I mean, definitely Rodgers does. Rodgers probably like at least Rodgers in a first for Lawrence.
2: We're right, but even though we know that Rodgers is moving on from Green Bay after the season, it, they're there's potentially greener pastures. You know, we we saw Tom Brady. We thought it was it for him in New England, and then he came back, guns a blazing in Tampa. And there's there's that outside chance for Rodgers as well. So I, I think if you can get one of the older, uh, unless you are contending, but it, the ability to move a contending asset for an underwhelming asset that you know was once thought of as elite, I, I feel like that's a real easy move to make. And some people might be more apt to do it at the stage. I. You know, general announcement, if you
1: can trade Jalen Hurts for Trevor Lawrence, go do that yesterday. Oh, geez, sweet Jesus. Yes, please, God. <laughs> because uh, according to the ADP I'm looking at right now, Jalen Hurts is QB7 and Trevor Lawrence is QB11. So um. <laughs> what a two in front of the Jalen Hurts number and it's closer. <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's move on to uh, – we're going to finish off the rest of this episode with some Patriots. Um, you mentioned Mac Jones just a bit ago. He has been the best rookie quarterback. He has a 7.1 AYA. He has 13 touchdowns to 7 interceptions, a 69% completion percentage. Mac Jones has been, like, you know, the, the quote-unquote, like, high-floor guy. Like, he's been high-floor with with a high ceiling on top. So, uh, I, I – th- like – I'm trying not to panic on Justin Fields, but also I think I might have Mac as QB, too.
2: I got to be honest, I think I might have Mac as QB1 in this at this stage. You know, we, we haven't seen anything from Trey Lance. I still don't really think he's the guy. I feel like he's he's the athlete that plays quarterback. Uh, Justin Fields, I still have faith in, but also the tie to Chicago and Matt Nagy is not a good one. Uh, the, the way that offense operates and, and their inability to use Justin Fields' strengths, aside from like four plays a game, is incredible. The Patriots have figured out how to make Mac good. We knew Mac was the floor quarterback here. He had the highest floor, arguably, out of any quarterback. A lot of people would have argued that was Trevor Lawrence. We knew Mac Jones was pro-ready. Played in a pro offense in college, and he can make all of the throws. He wasn't exciting. There's nothing exciting about the guy but he makes the throws, he makes the plays, and he went to arguably the safest place he could possibly go considering the history here. Obviously, with Tom Brady, it's a little bit different, but we know Belichick is there to win. We know Josh McDaniels is is a pretty darn good play caller. The one fear is the the weapons around him, which he has pretty similar weapons to Trevor Lawrence aside from maybe a, a good defense and a moderate offensive line. But he's making it look much, much easier in New England than Trevor Lawrence is in Jacksonville. So uh, I think they'll continue to to limit Mac as far as it, pure volume. I don't think we're going to see a lot of those 50 throw, 50 attempt games, but I think we'll see plenty of mid-30s and 40s. And the touchdown upsides there, that offense, uh, you know, the, the scheme is, like we know with Josh McDaniels is, is good enough for them to compete and win. So uh, I, I just feel like Max upside and his floor are, are just kind of a continued line that have moved upwards. I don't feel like they're very far apart at all. I just feel like he's got a, such a significant floor over the rest of these rookie quarterbacks that for me, he's almost got to be QB1. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I still, even though I just spent a few minutes bashing on Trevor Lawrence. I still think that the upside, you know, upside of Trevor Lawrence is Andrew Luck and John Elway and da 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 da, da. And I don't think that is quite there with Mac Jones, but well, we'll see. We'll see where he's at the rest of the season. But I do think that, you know, if we're doing a, you know, a re rookie draft, that there is a quarterback, there isn't Fields or Lance over Mac Jones
2: right now. No way. No, or, I, of course, I, Zach Wilson. <laughs> he, he's pretty, he could go undrafted. Uh, yeah, I think Mac, you know, it, uh, you do the redraft bit and you're probably trading out of one to let somebody else take Lawrence picking at two, three or four and taking Mac Jones when Mac Jones and Zach Wilson or I mean, Zach Wilson was going way too high before, but you could have gotten Mac Jones in like the late first in some spots for, in super flex leagues. Now you do those, you know, those those redrafts and you would be you'd be hard pressed to get him after like 103, maybe 104 with Jamar Chase and Najee Harrison there.
1: Next, we'll move on to the running back in the Patriots' backfield. We have Ramondre Stevenson. He got his opportunity because Damian Harris was out with an injury, and Ramondre Stevenson did what the kids call capitalized with a 27-PPR point game. And one of his knocks coming out of school was the lack of receptions. Granted, it was a four-catch-for-14 receiving yard game, so maybe there's a reason why he doesn't have those receiving chops. (laughs) But he showed at least he knows how to catch a football, which is a positive Um, and I kind of saw this as a, you know, range of outcome with him being like a mid third round rookie pick. Like this guy is going to get an opportunity at some point and he got it and he he capitalized with it. So he was a fourth round pick. So a little bit lower capital than Damian Harris had. But I think that at this stage with their contracts and what it is, I would say at the very least it's a 50, 50 split the remainder of the year, Harris Stevenson.
2: See, I, I just don't see Stevenson anywhere near the talent level of Damian Harris. Um, you know, uh, in the, the draft thing is whatever, but uh, Stevenson's you're between the tackle guy. You mentioned he didn't get used in the, in the passing game. And obviously with four catches for 14 yards, that's not exactly exciting. Uh, we know Damian Harris can do absolutely all of it. The, the big issue here in, in the history of the Patriots is, We never know who's going to get all of the carries for a little while there when Stevenson was either out or just not really, uh, you know, up to par in the offense. We knew it was going to be Harris. You know, James White hasn't been healthy. They got rid of Rex Burkhead the whole bit. J.J. Taylor's irrelevant. It's kind of gotten to the stage now where they don't really have all of the miles that they had at one point where they could throw any one of the four or five of them out there and all do the same thing. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson can do what Damian Harris can do, especially through the air. But depending on the scheme and depending on the game plan, he's definitely going to go get more looks. Absolutely. When they're running between the tackles, but you know, um, Cleveland wasn't uh, exactly potent on defense yesterday. So um, Stevenson kind of got a freebie. If you will, he did look pretty good for the most part, especially between the tackles, but I, I do still think this is Damian Harris's backfield. Um, but he, like you said, I mean, he's going to get some work. He earns some work because of that performance. I just don't think it'll be enough to like really vault his value. Yeah. I mean, we t-
1: talked about it several times today. I think it's it's enough to dampen my, my love for Harris. I was a huge Harris guy because he was never valued as high as his draft capital was. And he, he was honestly having his best year uh from an infos perspective in 2021 before this injury. So yeah, I, I think that more so than anything, I think it dampens my my love for for Harris Harris rather than excites me for for Stevenson. Um because I, I don't think you I don't think you can start Stevenson if Harris is back in the lineup. And I think you're probably starting Harris if Harris is back in the lineup. So um I think
2: that's at the end of the day that's what it does. It just dampens the ceiling uh of Damian Harris. And, and the big fear here for both of these guys is the target volume through the air. I just I don't really think either one of them are going to get enough work where we can we can vault either one of them up higher than kind of where they've been, even if they are playing well, especially considering you've got Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, two guys that are just going to absolutely consume those short area and mid range targets that running backs would normally would normally get. Uh, Damian Harris only has 13 targets on the season. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think is, is honestly too far off of that from what he's, uh, from what he has played and neither one of them are really doing a lot with, with their targets. Um, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson actually has the exact same number of targets that Damian Harris has, which is pretty surprising to be completely honest. Um, I will say that Harris has looked really good between the tackles. Uh, We just need to get the running backs, I guess, more involved uh, through, through the passing attack. But uh, I guess that'll probably come with time.
1: All right. And we'll wrap up the show with the new England Patriots pass catchers highlighted by the fact that Jacoby Myers, after currently or previously holding the record for most receiving yards by a person who had not scored a receiving touchdown, Jacoby Myers found his way into the end zone at the end of a blowout um, the entire Patriots team like went from the sideline to the back of the end zone to celebrate with him. Uh, it was a very nice moment. Um, but Myers has been an interesting fantasy asset. Um, uh, Kendrick Bourne was the the higher, highest scoring fantasy asset of the day for the Patriots receivers. But I do think the Myers is the more interesting long term asset. He's not going to be, be a ceiling play. He's not going to be a floor play. But I think he's like an interestingly like, wide receiver four, wide receiver five to have on your team. That's just going to be like he's going to be fine. Like he's going to probably. And at the stage of where he is, he's probably going to get you like a four catches for 50 yard type game like most days than not.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that pretty much is his floor. It it was it was weird, too, after like the first month of the season, give or take, he was averaging like 10 targets a game um, and and doing okay with them. Obviously, with with new rookie Mac Jones still trying to figure the NFL out, the the passing attack wasn't uh, exactly potent. So there wasn't really any big numbers coming from that. But his first four games, he came out with six catches, four catches, nine catches and eight catches, uh, but never averaging over 10 yards per catch. So we kind of we know where all that all of that work is happening. And then, you know, over over the last month and a half slash two months, give or take, uh, he's just kind of been there. The The targets haven't been overwhelming. We're looking at between like five and and eight, maybe nine. But it's just not. It's not really desirable to me to chase four catches for fifty yards. Sure, you're, I mean, you're, you're, not,
1: you're not trading for Jacoby Myers. No, I'm, no, no,
2: no. I'm just saying, like, it's not a
1: bad guy to have on your bench. Like, oh, if you get a last minute like scratch due to an injury, or you know, you're killed with bye weeks. Like, he's a, he's not a bet. Like, it's not always bad to have a you know decent floor guy on your team that isn't really ever exciting to start.
2: Yeah, it's just one of those strange ones where the clear-cut wide receiver one on a team is just not desirable at all. He's fine to have, but no one's going out and like, Ag- hey, Aguilar. I'll trade a bunch for you. Well, and, and, and even even Nelson Aguilar has been almost, I, I mean, he and, and Kendrick Bourne have kind of been just the whoever shows up that day is going to get some looks. Yeah, yeah.
1: They are back to back in points, one hundred thirteen point ten for Bourne and one hundred ten point ten for
2: Myers. And they're almost identical target wise as well. I believe uh, Aguilar has forty six. Kendrick Bourne has forty three. Hunter Henry has forty two. John Smith has thirty four. So those four are kind of are are going for the same piece of the pie. And then Jacoby Myers has seventy six targets. So you know when you're almost doubling some of these guys, uh, or you have thirty more targets over your wide receiver two in the offense, you would expect, certainly expect more, but the the places where Jacoby is winning uh, aren't aren't uh, exactly conducive to big numbers for yardage uh, or really in in touchdowns as either because it's kind of the Jarvis Landry bit. Everybody, oh, he's a, he's the best you know running back playing wide receiver or whatever, getting eight catches for thirteen yards, uh, but and never scoring because Jarvis Landry for the longest time just couldn't get into the end zone either. So. I don't think he's quite on Jarvis Landry's level, but for the time being, I mean, he's, he's the, the top guy in new England. So there's maybe something there. It's just a really hard spot to buy. All right. And of course, Hunter Henry, seven, seven
1: receiving touchdowns through uh, nine games. So <laughs> apparently he's going to be the touchdown vulture for the new England Patriots, uh, along with Damian Harris, once he gets those red zone, that red zone work as well. So
2: Um, Any last words on the Patriots or week 10, Dan? No, it's a, it's a weird spot. I don't know that necessarily any of the assets are buys uh, outside of Mac Jones, but maybe if you could get Damian Harris for a discount, I I maybe would try. I don't think you're getting Ramondre Stevenson for market value after that game. And I'm not really sure that that's justified, but uh, it's a, it's a weird spot and, Last, but certainly not least, R.I.P. Nikhil Harry. <laughs> oh,
1: go. my goodness. Laquan Treadwell and Nikhil Harry have taken at least six years off of my life.
2: Those two are that <laughs> Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other.
1: <laughs> All right. That should wrap us up for this evening. Now I'm going to go cry in a bowl of cereal or something. Um, <laughs> that should wrap us up for this week. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Call back.